Welcome to This One Thing with Carrie Kenyon Dern. One verse, one truth, one choice. Hello and welcome to This One Thing. I'm Carrie Kenyon Dern and with me this week once again is Crystal Wright. Hello Crystal. Thanks for being here and happy December. Thank you. Yes, let's get Christmas started. Let's do it. So we decided that really focusing on this Advent season would be a good idea. You decided that for us, actually, and you chose this week's verse. We're in John chapter 1, verse 5, and before we started recording today, we were talking about how much is packed into this passage, and if we were to go into our heads, it would be really overwhelming. There is so much here. It is so rich and deep and important But before we start unpacking our verse, Crystal, and before you share the truth, would you read the verse and tell us why this was on your heart as we said, let's focus on Advent. Let's focus on scriptures that prepare our hearts for celebrating the birth of our Savior. Why this verse? Read the verse and then go straight into the truth that you have for us this week. Yes. John 1, 5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So I knew I wanted to do something, reflect on some scripture that pointed us towards Advent, which is this idea of we're preparing for the arrival of Jesus. And one of the first things that comes to my mind is I have a favorite scripture in Isaiah 9, verse 2, that talks about the people who were sitting in darkness have seen a great light. And it's one of those prophetic verses telling us that there's going to be the arrival of the Savior. And so I I thought of that verse, but I was like, no, I'm, I, I don't feel like that's the one we're supposed to do. But I had that idea of like, we need to focus on the light in my mind. And I kind of was going about my, my week and hadn't picked the scripture yet. And I was sitting with a woman And you and I sit with a lot of people and hear their stories and oftentimes some of the darker and more painful parts of their lives and experiences. And I was sitting with someone who was sharing a story with me that was just heartbreaking and devastating. And I remember just sitting there and I felt like I could almost, I just had this visual picture of this young woman being just swallowed up by death Mm. and darkness and the things that she was sharing with me that were happening and that were going on. And I just remember feeling, just sitting there thinking, man, it just feels that way a lot of times Mm -hmm. that our world, the people that we know, the people that we love, maybe we don't even know them that well. They're just strangers that we're seeing their lives or hearing their stories. It just seems like there's so many people whose lives are being swallowed up by death and darkness and it can begin to feel hopeless at times. So really, I was in a place of just like thinking about, Lord, I need some truth. I need something to, I need you to speak to me because it's, it feels discouraging. It feels overwhelming. And so that's when I was thinking, oh, you know what? I'm going to go to John chapter one. I know there's a lot in this first chapter of John that talks about the light. And I just started reading and verse five just jumped out at me immediately. Just that truth that the darkness cannot overcome the light. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I've held on to that throughout this past week. And I think if we're honest, it's not just people that we observe or the world around us. I think most of us at some point have felt that way. 
There's so much in the world that's hard. There's so much evil. There's so much darkness. And of course, the media helps to really paint that picture. It's yeah, very easy. That. Yeah, very easy to believe that there's so much darkness in the world and that as Christians who are called to be the light of the world, it's easy to say, what, what does it even matter? What, what does my little tiny light even matter? And so for us to go back and to start Advent with focusing on who Jesus is. And in this first chapter of John, this section starts off with John talking about how Jesus is the word, which is logos. And it's really important that we quickly note that he is talking to his audience, which Greek culture full of very, very head smart philosophers who were all about more information and more ideas. And so this word, this logos would have been something that his audience understood. This is all about reasoning and this picture of someone that's going to mediate between us and God. And it's an intellectual exercise for them. And so John moves beyond that to in verse four saying, the life is in him. He is the life and we don't have life apart from him. And because we have his life, we have his light. So this light is connected to this idea that Jesus is the life of the world, the light of the world. So this is speaking of a moral darkness, not a physical darkness. This is talking about a spiritual darkness. What is spiritual darkness? Well, if you read this in context, it's being outside of a relationship with God. If you study this, specifically study this passage in the original language, in the Greek, you can easily equate light with knowledge of God. Knowing God is to be filled with his light because he is light. And not knowing God and not having a relationship with him and not being in logos, in him and in his word, equals spiritual darkness. So, The truth is there is no life apart from him. And so when we are grafted in, when we're abiding in him, we are in the light and nothing in the darkness can touch us as we are in the light. But it is challenging in that it's also a reminder that we can't get cavalier and just kind of rust back on our laurels and say, you know, I accepted Jesus when I was four years old and now I'm just going to skate through and whatever happens, happens and I'll see you in heaven. The darkness can overcome us if we are not focused on the light of the world and if we're not abiding in him by being in his word, in his logo. So just to try to make this as simple as you can possibly make these verses because there's nothing simple about this. There's this connection between Jesus being the word And the word being Jesus. And so when we're in him, when we're in the word, we are in the light of life. But then the opposite is also true. If I'm not in him and I'm not in his word, I can experience the darkness. I can be influenced by the darkness, not filled with it. But I can be blinded by it. I can be clouded by it. You've met people like that, Crystal where the darkness hasn't overcome them, but they're fixated on it, right? And I always say, whatever you're focused on is what you're worshiping. And isn't it true that sometimes we're so focused on the bad things, the hard things, the dark things, the evil things, 
that they have so much power because they have our focus and attention. And so in the context of these verses, and then specifically in our verse of the week, the light shines in the darkness. It doesn't say if there's darkness. It just says the darkness. There is darkness. There's darkness all around us. It's normalizing the darkness. This passage could say, if there is darkness, the light will overcome it. No, it's saying in the darkness, which is real, which you will experience, the light is shining and the darkness will not overcome it. So is there anything else by way of truth that you have pulled out as you've meditated on this crystal? I think that it's a very clear connection Mm -hmm. to Advent, but is there more truth? Is there something else that really grabbed you as you looked at not just this specific verse, but as you looked at it in context? I did focus looking at the word overcome. It's Mm -hmm. because it is translated a few different ways. And you and I have talked about this a little bit, but some translations will say the darkness couldn't comprehend or understand it. But the word goes so much deeper than that. And it has much more of an idea of to overcome is to lay hold of something it's like you're laying hold of something, you're claiming it, you're putting authority over it, you're making it your own. And so really what this passage is saying is that the darkness has no ability to lay claim, to overpower, to take authority over, to take hold of the light, Mm -hmm. which is life, which is Christ. (laughs) You know, those things are so connected. So I just thought that was a helpful picture. And the other um, way I kind of simplified it in my mind when I was thinking about the truth is it's almost like a math equation where you have, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> the word equals Jesus equals life equals light. And really the only way that the darkness can ever have any power, have it, have influence is if, if you try to erase Jesus out of the equation. Because yes. if you erase Jesus out of the equation, you automatically have to erase everything else mm-hmm. because there is no light. There is literally no such thing as life apart from him. And that's mm-hmm. what this chapter is setting up, you know, this big picture truth. And so I just found that helpful almost because as we get into choice, I think on a practical level, there's a lot of times we try to function as Mm -hmm. though there could be life or light or something, truth, grace, something that, you know, Jesus is an okay option, but maybe there's also something else that could provide that for us. And the scripture just kind of laser focuses in on, nope, sorry, it's a package deal. You want right. these things, Jesus has got to be it because you take him out of it. You're all you're left with is literally the death and the darkness spiritually first and foremost. Right. And I think for somebody listening, they might say, well, that sounds very dramatic, Crystal. You're being very dramatic. <laughs> but if we are to read this and I, I am going to read verse four and I'm going to read our verse of the week again, because it that is exactly what it's saying. I already alluded to verses one through three, talking about he's the word. Jesus is the word, logos. The word is Jesus. You cannot separate the two. Our verse of the week is verse five, but this is verse four. It says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. So apart from him, there's no life. And also apart from life, which there is none, apart from him, there's no light. And then into our verse of the week, that light that we just talked about in verse four shines in the darkness, the ever-present darkness. It's here. It's not going away until the return of our king. The darkness that is here on this temporary plane is overcome by the light 
of the word, of the logos, of Jesus, and the life that we have in him. So like you said, you erase Jesus, you erase life, and all the light goes out. You cannot manufacture life or light apart from our Savior who was, who was born and who we're celebrating this month. So if we're looking at Advent, this is why this is so important. How does the birth of Jesus affect me today in 2022? Well, I can look around and I can see the darkness. I can watch the news or better turn off the news <laughs> and know that all the darkness in the world is not going to overcome my Savior who came as a baby and laid in a manger specifically for the purpose of growing up walking this earth, doing everything he did to die for my sins so that I could be reunited with my father in heaven for all of eternity. I have hope in the darkness. I have life today and forever for all of eternity. And I have light inside of me. In fact, the light that Jesus is, is now our light. Luke eleven thirty six says we have a floodlight in us. Ephesians chapter 3 and Ephesians chapter 1, Paul's talking about the light. And in Ephesians 1, 18 through 20, he says, I pray that your eyes will be flooded with light. He's talking about your spiritual eyes, that you'll be illuminated, that you'll know and remember everything that belongs to you in Christ Jesus, this baby whose birth we're celebrating this year. So this light that he is, isn't just a light in Bethlehem over 2,000 years, you know, over 2,000 years ago, the star in the sky. Mm-hmm. It's the light in the darkness around us, and it's the light within us. So we have a choice, as I see it, based on understanding that you cannot separate life, light, any, any kind of hope at all from the person of Jesus Christ. What are we going to do with this in this Advent season? How are we going to choose to apply this truth to our lives in the coming weeks, Crystal. I just appreciate that you made the statement early on that we're not downplaying the fact that we're going to come face to face with darkness and we're going to have to wrestle through our own doubts and fears at times. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why through the Holy Spirit, God gave these words to John to tell it to us so clearly Mm -hmm. because it's almost like it just is going to clear out any clutter or confusion we may have about what is going to save us. And so the choice that I really came to is, and this is so personal, there's no way that I could answer this for anybody else. Everyone would need to ask themselves Mm -hmm. um, this question, but for me, it was, I'm going to choose on a very practical level to refuse that there's any other savior for Crystal out there. Like, that's just not an option (laughs) anymore. There is no other savior. And I'm going to act and behave and speak as though I know that there is nothing else that can provide me with any hope, with any light, with any salvation. And I think that the way that I'm wanting to apply that in my life is when I have those moments when it feels like the darkness is swallowing up, whether it's me, my own thoughts and emotions, how I'm feeling about life and whether or not God cares about me or if I'm, you know, seeing it in somebody else's life is that I think those 
darkness moments give us an opportunity to let God surface if there's any other false saviors that we're relying on. And I think the choice for me is I want to be quick to surrender any false (laughs) idols, saviors, Mm -hmm. things that I think are going to bring me anything that is good or that is eternal outside of Christ. And I just want to hand those quickly over to the Lord and just say, Jesus, you know, Jesus, help. Mm-hmm. Come, give me your light. I need it. The darkness feels like it's overwhelming and just immediately turn to him and ask for his help. Yeah. And you're so humble. You wouldn't say this. I'll say it. So earlier this week, the Lord led you to this scripture by making the choice I feel like we all need to make. You're being very personal. And I think we all need to do what you're suggesting for yourself. But if you just go back to what you've already done, it's so practical. It's so simple, but it's so difficult to do. You were sharing earlier how you had this discouraging moment, I'll call it, listening to someone that is walking through a lot of darkness in her personal life. And it's so easy for that arrow of doubt to go through our mind in that moment and to say, man, is there anything we could even do that matters as helpers, as people that have positioned ourselves to help others? There's always that. But also like beyond me and what I'm doing, do I really have hope for this person that their life and their trajectory and their outcome can change because it looks hopeless from the outside looking at what they've been walking through and and what they're up against and the evil that has mounted up against them. And in that moment, you ran to God's word. It was that strong, safe tower that the psalmist talks about, knowing him, knowing his name, knowing his word, and then that throws us back into the complete context of John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. If I know him, and I understand that if I want to get closer to Jesus, I better be spending more time in his word. And if I know him, and I know his word, then regardless of what happens, It moves from a head knowledge to an experience. The closer I am to him, the more I experience. The darkness has no power. Death has no power because the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is coursing through my veins. And the light of the world is my friend and my companion and my safe place. And I can run to him and I can not just know, but I can experience that the darkness will never overcome me, nor will it come overcome the people that are abiding in him and trusting him as the word, as the life, as the light. And I think that's what he has for us this Advent season, that we wouldn't just be singing songs and reciting the Christmas story from memory. <laughs> Let's not just sit down and read the Christmas story out of the book of Luke. Let's just sit and let's say, that's good. Those are good things. I'm not minimizing those. But let's go a little bit deeper and let's say, how can I actively agree with my thoughts, my choices, the way that I live my life this Advent season? Is it lining up with the fact that he is the light of the world and the life that I'm actually breathing in today? It matters that Jesus came over 2,000 years ago, and I want it to matter in how I live my life today. So, Crystal, thank you for putting that choice out there for us. There is no other Savior than the Savior who came and was born to die for us. 
would you pray for us that we would really make a big, big practice this Advent season of asking him to help us to go deeper in our trust, in our faith, in our belief that he is our only savior and he is the only life and the only light we will ever need. Yeah. As we go into prayer, I'll just share this quickly. I have sort of this, it sounds cheesy, but it's this prayer that I say to the Lord kind of in moments of feeling overwhelmed or stressed. And sometimes I just ask him, I'm like, Lord, are the good guys winning? Are yeah. we? Is the right thing winning down here? And that's just my way that I go to the Lord in those moments. And his spirit always confirms, Crystal, yes, <laughs> because of Christ, yes, the light, the light will always win. So Amen. Um, let me pray for us. Lord, we just want to start first by saying thank you so much. Thank you for being the word, for being eternal, for being life and light. Lord, you have always been those things. You've been those things from the beginning, and you have always been faithful. And you have promised long, long ago that you were sending Christ to be the ultimate rescue plan of light and life coming into a world that had turned dark and broken. And you came true on that promise and you gave us Christ and he was the light and he is the light and he continues to be our hope and our salvation. Thank you that we get to really hold on to that, that it's on the forefront of our minds as we celebrate Advent and we prepare for Christmas. I pray, Lord, that you would cause each one of us to be looking with expectation that we would be looking for the places where we see the presence of Jesus, where we see the light, that we would be quick when we're encountered with the darkness, Lord, to not become afraid and not be overwhelmed, but instead go back to this promise that you have given us that the darkness will never, will never, ever overcome the promises that you've given us that are in Christ. So thank you for that, Lord. We love you. Amen. Thank you for joining us for This One Thing with Carrie Kenyon Dern. Find all our episodes by clicking the podcast link located on our website at fetterfree.org.